I have you in mind for this one. Okay. Okay, this will be the last installment of the the Sfarid Ashkenaz Minhagim Halacha, you know, uh, separation. Um, so I want to talk about a, a a pretty unique, a pretty uncommon occurrence in Halacha, and and a very interesting backstory that it that it has. This one also is maybe the only one that's worthy of the original title of the supremacy of Sfarid Minhagim. This uh, it's not even this this is the one that that, that earns the title. Um, okay, so as follows. There's a, a, a din we're all familiar with. The shaila, if a person is supposed to put on tefillin on chalamayim or not, right? Now, the, the Seder Adoram is as follows. The Gemara in Erevin and Shabbos Darshan, the tefillin is called the ice. And Mela on Shabbos and Yamtif, you don't wear tefillin because Shabbos ikri ice. And you don't need the ice of tefillin if you have the ice of Shabbos. As a matter of fact, as if I can't remember by the Chesidim, that Shabbos, the, the Rashi Tevis of Shabbos, is Shabbos from Kaim Tefillin. So Shabbos is an ice from Kaim Tefillin, you don't need to. What do you say? There's, there's tons of them. Shramal, yeah. Oh, that's it, that's it, right. That's the Chesidish one, right. Shramal, exactly. Shramal with the Kaim Tefillin, exactly. Yeah, thank you. Machalik Vinci, Shabbos and Yom Tif is before Shigemara. Now the Shaila is, what about Chalamai? So off the bat, there is no Gemara that talks about we're in Tfilah on Chalamayim. So there's many riots, Lakan, Lakan, all the Rishayim bring Bakaris from every Rishayim brings his Makar from where he is. Some say, if I saw during the week, someone compiled the list, there's about 80 Rishayim who wrote on it. So it's a very, very well, uh, you know, it's been worked through the topic. Of the Rishayim who wrote on it, the majority of them hold that one should wear Tfilah on Chalamayim, with a bracha, without a bracha, as a shmuz. Okay, Bechalif and Shiyah, there's no uh, consensus, you know, amongst the Paisim what to do. Now, interestingly, Rashi and the Rambam, both of them, don't write anywhere about the Shaila about wearing Tzil and Cholomayed. Two of the, you know, primary Rishonim don't write anywhere about Rashi about wearing Tzil and Cholomayed. And there's actually a, a, a shtickle raya from Rashi that, that uh, some people used to bring, that the, the Chibina rug, when they would, Bachram would come to him to get for Herod and Sukkah, this was one of the Shailas he used to ask. He used to ask him, bring me a raya from Rashi and Masech Sukkah. And Rashi yelled, you don't wear Tzil you wear Tzil and Cholomayed. You know what? Sukkim and Vav. Exactly. Sukkim and Vav. We have a few people. A few people know it. Sukkim and Vav. The Gemara says, Hayul in front of mitzvahs harbei. The person had in front of him a lot of mitzvahs to do. And there's a machlekes in the Gemara. You make one bracha on all the mitzvahs, like a baruch hashem kishem zayis on all mitzvahs, or you make a bracha on each individual mitzvah mitzvah they have in front of you. Now, when Rashi says Hayul in front of mitzvahs harbei, Rashi brings in examples. Like Rashi, what's the mitzvahs harbei? Sukkah. Halal, Tfilin, and Talis. So it sounds like Rashi is talking about a, on a Cholamayid, a day where there's Tfilin and Talis, and there still is Sukkah and Lulav, and the Shaila is how to make all the brachas. So that's a riot from Rashi, but there's no real riots. There's no uh, conclusive Makaris. Now, what ends up happening is that most of the Balayat Taisvis and the Rishayim from Ashkenaz hold that a person should wear Tfilin on Cholamayid, probably even with a bracha. The Rush writes that even in Svar, when he was there, the minig was to wear Tfilin with a bracha. Amongst the Svarim Rishonim, you have the Rajba, the Ramban, the, Ra- the Raivid, who all say not to wear Tzil on Cholamayid. But it seems like the Minig in Svarim, until you know, a certain point, was not like them. The Minig was to wear Tzilin, like the, the bulk of the Rishonim. I think the, the Sefer Iso broke it down, it's 82, it's 82 to 18. It's amongst the Rishonim, the, the, the Chalkim, but wearing Tzilin, not wearing Tzilin. Uh, I'm sorry, 62, out of the 80, 62 to 18. 62 say to wear Tzilin, 18 say not to wear Tzilin. So, Mechalaif and the Minig seem to have been in most places to wear Tzilin on Cholamayid. Now, the Beis Yosef in Simulam et Aleph, Milchus Tfilin, brings as follows. He brings that his uncle, 
uh, the, the, the uncle of Yosef's name was Rabbi Yitzchak Cairo. Rabbi Yitzchak Cairo, who actually raised the Yosef, the Yosef grew up in his house. He says, my uncle has a tshuva, where my uncle writes as follows. Now that the Zayar was found, he says, the early Rishayim didn't have the Zayar. Now that the Zayar was found, and in the Zayar on Shir Hashirim, it says that someone who wears tefillin on Cholomayim is Chayv Misa, which is a pretty uh, harsh, a pretty harsh critique of wearing tefillin on Cholomayim. The Zayar says someone who wears tefillin on Cholomayim is Chayv Misa. So Mela, it's Pasha that we should stop wearing tefillin. A person shouldn't wear tefillin on Cholomayim. Comments the Beis and he says, the Bisesi says, I know, I'm aware that in the past, it used to be very common amongst the Bnei Sfarat to wear tefillin, but Bechal Mekaymas that I drezeh, I don't see people wearing tefillin anymore. So Vais says, this, uh, this idea of incorporating this psaq from the Zayar was very well accepted in the Well, it says the Bisesi, why? The Afalpi that we don't usually pass him like a Zayar, says over here it's different, it's a unique situation. There's no Gemara that's chilek on the Zayar, there's no Gemara that talks about it. So maybe the Gemara holds like the Zayar also, and we just don't know. So maybe the halach is like the Zayar, and you don't wear tefillin on and as always, the Paschal in the Shulchan Aruch, the Mechaber brings down in Tzimelam Aleph that on the Mechaber says Shabbos, Yom Tov v'Cholamayid, a person shouldn't wear tefillin. Says the Ramah, b'Chol Mekaymes that I know from that I've been to, everyone wears tefillin, and male person should wear, should wear tefillin. And the Ramah's mashma even with a bracha. Comes along the Taz and the Magen Avram, they say maybe no bracha, it's better like that. And that's how our minute comes to be. Those of us who put on tefillin still, that we put on tefillin without a bracha. Now, there's a strange anomaly with this minute, but this machlag is an halacha. In Eretz Yisrael, the minig amongst everyone, Ashkenazim, Sfaradim, Chassidim, everybody, is to not wear tefillin on Cholmei. That's a very unique thing. We have a well-established machlikas and halacha and minig between the Ramah and the Mechaber that has not fallen into disuse, meaning the Ashkenazim still passed on like in the Ramah. And Afal Pikain, you know, in, in Eretz Yisrael, in a whole area, that psak doesn't exist. We don't pass on like that, Ramah. And if, and if you look in the Paiskim from Eretz Yisrael, Yashim from Zalman, a person who's moving from, from Chutzlar to Eretz Yisrael and his minig for as many dares as he could count as to wear tefillin on Cholomayid, could be mevatel as minig, he's moving to a new place, the halach is, he moves to a new place, you take on the minhagim of the place you're moving to. It's a minig of Eretz Yisrael. It's no longer a machlikis, svarad Ashkenaz, not putting on tefillin on Eretz Yisrael, it's a minig of Eretz Yisrael. That's what, that's what the, all the places learn. So, it's a very interesting thing that that should happen, you know, with, with a machlikis, a paiskim, like the Ramah and the Machaber. So, there's, there's a few theories. Let me share one of them. The, the, this is a, an interesting theory. The, Eretz Yisrael, for a long time, you know, going back hundreds of years, was very empty. There was no Jews living in Yerushalayim, especially. No Jews for hundreds and hundreds of years. And the Ramban came to Eretz Yisrael in the late 1200s. The Ramban writes, he found two Jews in Yerushalayim, two brothers. Two brothers, two Jews in Yerushalayim. That's what he found. Now, okay, it grew a little bit over time, but there was, it was, there was no Jews in Yerushalayim for a very long time. Now, after the Svartim were kicked out of Spain, where they came from, so eventually some of them started migrating to Yisrael, and some of them ended up in Yerushalayim. It became a small kehila that by the time the year 1700 rolled around, <coughs> consisted of about a thousand people. Small kehila of Sardin lived in Yisrael. Now, everyone's familiar that in, in, the, in Europe in the 1600s was Shafsay Tzvi, right? So he announced himself to Mashiach, and many people went with him, and eventually he was, he was found that to not, you know, he was, he was shown up to not be Mashiach, he ends up becoming a Muslim, he moved to Turkey, fine, we know that. Now, after Shabbat there was a lot of ripple effects. There was plenty of, like, later people who tried to attach themselves to his legacy and be part of that world. Now, one of the, the it's a controversial matter if he should be included in this list or not, it's a great set of Machlegis, but uh, today there's a, a lot of riots that say yes. There was someone called Rabbi Yehuda Chassid, not to be confused with Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid from the Sefer Hasidim and the Tzavah that we all know about, 
was a Rishon from, from, from eight, nine hundred years ago, from Ragensburg, different person. This is Rabbi Yehuda Chassid. Same name, very different person. He was born in, in 1660. He was obviously a big parosh, a tzaddik. You know, he led a very rarefied life himself. He was a mokobol, he did lots of tanesim, he fasted, he kept all the zayas, all the zayas halachas, he did all the tikkunim, he davened at Kavana Sari, very the hybrid person. He, at some point, was imbued, he was a young man, in his, you know, 30s, he was imbued with a great drive to, to bring Mashiach, to cause Mashiach to come. And he started giving speeches about Mashiach and about the Geula, and all these type of things, which you know, always sets off the alarm bells by, by the, by the G'daylam after Shabbat Tzvi, he started giving these drushes. Now, but he was a tzaddik, he was a good guy. And uh, until he met up with his, uh, with, with, uh, his partner, there was someone called Chaim Malach. Um, Chaim Malach was a certified, bona fide Talmud of Shabbat Tzvi. He was an actual, real Shabbat It seems originally his name was Chaim Mahalach. Chaim the Walker, he used to travel a lot, and at a certain point he shortened it to Chaim Malach, which has a better ring to it, and he became Chaim Malach. And Chaim Malach meets up with, with uh, Yehuda Chassid, and he, he uh, is mavasar to Yehuda Chassid that he has a nevuah, that uh, Shabbat Tzvi many years ago wrote a letter where he said that 40 years after he goes away, in whatever manner he goes away, he's going to resurface, and he's going to bring the gula, the, the gula shleima, and it's going to be in Yerushalayim, and you are the vehicle of, of the delivery of Shabbat You're the one who has to take people and go to Yerushalayim and create the Merkava so that Shabbat could reveal himself again like he promised he would. And this, uh, this Rabbi Yehuda Chassid was, was a sincere person but obviously not a very educated or, or critical person and he fell for it, hook, line, and sinker. And at that point he becomes a Shabbat as well. I mean, he's now playing the role of, of, you know, he's going to bring the, 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 the nation to Eretz Yisrael to prepare for Shabbat Tzvi's arrival. So he starts traveling from town to town to town all over Europe. He asks if a group of people who want to come with him to collect money and people who want to come with him to Eretz Yisrael to start the Aschata de Geula. So he goes and from town to town to town and there's lots of, that's actually how we know he's a Shabbat because we could find letters from different Rabbanim in towns that he passed through who didn't have the ability to put a stop to him. None of them were powerful enough to stop him, but complaining that this guy is, is no good, him and Chaim Malach are bad news, it's Shapsai, but no one had the, the ability to stop him at that point. He was just, you know, he was brushing through from city to city. And he's ma'asa for himself, a kahila of 1,500 people, which is a huge amount to travel to Israel with in those days in, in, in 1697. He takes 1,500 people, he goes to Vienna to probably the biggest gvir in Klaiso at that time. To, his name is Shmuel Oppenheim, Samuel Oppenheim. And he convinces Shmuel Oppenheim to give him two boats and a bunch of money and food. And they're going to make an asiyah to Eretz Yisrael together to, to, to get started for the gula. They travel. And travel in those days is very rough. And over the course of their travels, 500 out of the 1,500 die or abandon, or abandon the trip. So they've been, they're shrinking, but the ones who are going are the real Hasidim now. They're the ones who are really, really, they call themselves Hasidim, obviously, because they were followers of Yehuda Hasid. And those are the real committed ones who are ready to be in Eretz Yisrael. They land in Eretz Yisrael in the year 1700. They had bought for themselves a small, a small chalka in the old city that they were going to make their shul in. And they go there. And part of the nevuah that, that Chaim Malach was mavasa to them was that there was going to be a whole specific, like, Seder Hizkalos. They were, going to, going to go, they were all going to go to the mikvah, 
Then they were going to go to the Kaisel and daven all night until Alois. And then at Alois, there was going to be a revealing. There was like a whole Seder that he explained to them how, how Shabbat Tzvi would reveal himself. So the first part of the Seder was to go to the Mikvah. And they went to the Mikvah. And Yehuda Chassid, who was probably very worn down and, and somewhat ill from his travels, develops what, from what we can tell today, seems to be cellulitis. And four days later, he's dead. And that's the end of the dream. Yehuda Chassid dies. Four days later, he's dead. They bury him. And his chassidim are in turmoil. It didn't come to fruition. He didn't come. The whole thing's over. He's buried in some, in some ma'ara that they just found in 2011. They just found his kever. No one even knew where he was. When he was like uh, tossed away, buried somewhere in 2011, they just found his kever. And, and his chassidim are in turmoil now. They don't know what to do. Now, incidentally, the piece of land that they bought in Yerushalayim, the Bikta Shul, is a very famous piece of land. Everybody knows it. It's the Chorva Shul. It's called Chorva of Yehuda Chassid. It's not Rabbi Yehuda HaChassid, it's Chorvah's Rabbi Yehuda Chassid. And we'll see in a second why it was called Chorvah. Now, his Chassidim are still there. And now already, Rabbanim from all over Europe are catching on to the fact who these people are and what they're up to. The local community in Yerushalayim is, is reporting that they're very bizarre, they don't keep the halachas normally, they have all sorts of strange menhagim. This is not a regular kihila, they're seeing them up close, they're sending letters out to all over Europe. And, and now starts you know, building a consensus that these people are very bad, and you have to, you know, get rid of them. The Chacham Tzvi writes, his, he just writes, Le'am Aretz Chassid. That's his critique. The Rabbi Yaakov Emden writes on it, Rabbi Shachagiz writes on it, and the one who takes it upon himself to really clean up the mess <laughs> is Rav David Appenheimer. Now, Rav David Appenheimer is the Rav of Prague. He is the brother of Shmuel Appenheimer. Now, Shmuel Appenheimer is dead, by the, at, the, dead at this point already. His younger brother, Rav David Appenheimer, was one of the G'day Le'adar, the Rav of Prague, Writes Shel Shuvas Nishal David, which is ten twelve volumes. Uh, you know, a gadol was, was the the nasi of Eretz Yisrael at that time. That was Ishteller, being that he came from a wealthy family, which is which you could see from his own writings. He came from a wealthy family. He had access to a lot of the gevirim and money, and he was very instrumental in sending money to Eretz Yisrael to take care of these families that needed. So he becomes the one who really commits upon himself to stamp out the the, the Hasidim of Yehuda, Yehuda Hasid from Yerushalayim, and he writes letters and letters, and, and they're they're very interesting to read where he warns them exactly how they have to be noyig, and you can't do anything strange, and et cetera, et cetera, and he bans them from taking money from the kupa, you know, till they're, they're drying up on all sides, they're not able to get money anymore, and they start borrowing from the local Arabs in the area to, to build their shul, to pay for their life. At a certain point, the Ponzi scheme is up, they don't have from where to pay it from, and on Shabbos Agadol of 1720, 20 years after they arrived, the Arabs pour into the, to the shul of Rabbi Yudha Chassid and turn it into Chorvas Rabbi Yudha Chassid. And that's how it got the name, you know, Chorvas Rabbi Yudha Chassid for, for the next long time. And they chase these people out of Yerushalayim and uh, they move on to the Sephardic in Yerushalayim and say, okay, fine, now we got rid of these Jews, now you guys pay the debt of these guys. These guys left behind, you know, millions of, of whatever, I don't know what the, the currency would be in, in 1700 Yerushalayim, whatever it is, Turkish, whatever. You, they left over that, you paid up. So the Sephardi Kila tells them, listen, do we look anything like them? Do we talk anything like them? Do we behave anything like them? We don't daven with them. Two different nations. We have no idea who these people are. We don't know where they showed up from. They're not related to us. So they go in front of a judge. The judge says, okay, thank you. These are, these are Sephardim. These are Jews. This we know. These are not Jews. They're not a chayv for, the, for these, this random tribe of impastors that showed up in Yerushalayim. No problem. They're off the chayv. But the rule is passed that if any Ashkenazi is to show up to Yerushalayim, the next whatever it is, he'll have to assume the debts of the Ashkenazim who came before him. Ashkenazim is obviously a nation for themselves. Whenever another Ashkenazi comes, he's going to pay the debt. Now, 
Because of that, for the next long tour, exactly, exactly. Because of that, for the next long tour, for any person who wanted to come to Yerushalayim as an Ashkenazi, had to fake that he was a Sephardi. There was no Ashkenazi Kehillah. There was a tiny Ashkenazi Kehillah, and they would all pretend to be Sephardi and in the Sephardi shul, and, and live like Sephardi, and behave like Sephardi. And what, what Tully is saying is true, and that's why the earliest Ashkenazi Yerushalayim wore kaftans, which is a Turkish robe. It's not, a, it's not an Ashkenazi Levush, it's a Turkish Levush. They wore kaftans to blend in. They didn't want to look like Ashkenazim. They, they, for the, for the, for the, one of the only times in history where they would dafka shed their lavosh to blend in with the local populace, they wanted to pretend they were Sephardim, whatever Sephardim were. Now, incidentally, there is differences between the, like, Yerushalmi kaftan and the Sephardi kaftan, even from that kufa, but they wore kaftans, and, and all the, today, the terrorists, I'll give you about the, the new, what the clothing are, and what this is masker, and what this means, and that is, and the, that's all about Akhar Maisa. The reason they put it on was to, to be Svardim, so that they wouldn't have to be stuck with the debt that the Ashkenazim accrued over the years. Now, so, <coughs> in, in the, actually, I was, I was looking on, on Shabbos, some Seifer, and his drusha, he has a famous drusha that he gives, a hespit after the earthquake in Svas in 1836. And in it he writes, he's writing about a letter that Yisrael of Shklov, who, the next person who occupies the shul, the Chorvus of Yudah is a Rishol of Shklov, who moves from Tzvas in 1836 and takes it over. And he decides to keep it Chorva, because he says, Kol Chorva Achas B'Yerushalayim, is Kilu, you know, so Mela, he calls it Chorva because it's a, it's a point of pride. We were Baina Chorva Achas B'Yerushalayim. He writes, and the Chorva writes like, I don't, know, I don't know why anybody hasn't living in Yerushalayim for the last hundred years, and that's why the earthquake happened. He says, the Yerushalayim was Tevei, it's respect. I belong where people should live, not in Tzvas, not in Tari, not in other areas. So you see there's this big gap for 100 years. No Ashkenazim living in Yerushalayim for 100 years from 1720 to about 1836. During that Kufa, any Ashkenazi who lived in Eretz Yisrael had to pretend he was a Sephardi. So, so, um, so okay, let, let's put this on hold for a second. Just, just, so we, we have, we have a, a, an, an idea that an Ashkenazi who lived in Yerushalayim would have to, would have to have pretend that he was a Sephardi in that Kufa. So now, let's, just unre- let's go back one step and just see Kilu uh, Vesugi behind this. Right. Well, what's the Indian of, of two different menhagim in one city? What's the sugi behind this? And what would have happened? If it, what would have been the din in such a case where an Ashkenazi moves to a city like this and has to pretend he's a Sephardi? What would be the halachas that he would have to take on? So now there's a Gemara in Yavamis towards the end of the first parak where the Gemara brings a drasha. The Gemara says it's an Isra is going to do. Right? The Isra is going to do what the Pasuk means when it says it. Is a person's not allowed to you know, do certain menhagim avelos that are damaging to his body. That's what you're not allowed to do. Now the Gemara dashing. Lesis going to do also means which Kalisa shouldn't create two Agudas Agudas, two different groupings. Because of the Pasuk starts of Banam Atem Lashem, you're all children of Akadosh Baruch Hu, don't make Agudas Agudas. Now, on the Gemara, there's a, a machlekes between Rabbi Yechon and Rishlakish right away, if that's only about Halacha or Minik, but then the Gemara moves on, the Gemara brings the machlekes Abaya and Rav as follows. Abaya says, this Isser of Lesasu Agudas Agudas, not to make two groupings, it has limitations, Abayah says. That's only on Beis Batidinim Be'irachas. Two Batidinim that are both occupying their seat of powers in one city, so they shouldn't make rules that are to each other, because that's going to create two groups in one city. But Beis Batidinim Be'ez Ayaris, if you have two Batidinim or in two different cities, no problem. Every, every Bezdin can pass in the way that it passes. That's not in violation of the Isser of Leisasa Agudas Agudas. Rava says, Rava's Chaylik. Rava says, no. no. That's too big of a Chumrah. When are you not supposed to make Agudas Agudas? Is Kemai Bezdin Achas Be'ir Achas. One Bezdin in one city who just can't come to agree with each other. And some of the Yonim are issuing Psakim like this, and some of the Yonim are issuing Psakim like this. That's not acceptable. That's Agudas Agudas. But Bez Batidinim Be'ir Achas, two individual Batidinim in one city, 
No problem. They're allowed to shadu the Mitzvah. It's not a, it's not a, it's not a good, it's a good. That's Rav's Pesach. Now we know that in any machlikis, Abaya and Rava, the halach is like Rava, chutzmi al tigam. Now, Leisus Gaidu is not one of the al so Rav Paiskim, the Rif, the Rosh, the Mordechai, etc., Paskin, like Rava, the Beis Batidinim, Be'erachas, two Batidinim that are occupying one city, are allowed each one have their own socket. Now, incidentally, the Rambam, the Rambam Paskin is like Abaya, that only in two different cities are they allowed to do it. But in one city, they're not. Now, it's a great tumult that the Ram actually holds like that and what the Ram means, but it's not an oddity that the Ram and Paskins like Abaya, not like Rava. Now, so, so now let's, let's look at the din. So, so there's a tshuva from the, the Avkas Reichel, which is the Beis Yosef. The Beis Yosef tshuva is on Archaim and Yerdea called Avkas Reichel. And in it, in the tshuva, in tshuva uh, Reishid Beis, I think, the, the Avkas Reichel has a very similar shaila to what the aftermath of Yehuda Chassid in Yerushalayim would have looked like. He talks about a city as follows. He talks about, a, I think it's a Turkish city, where they had a machlikis amongst the butchers, what type of chilev is, is permissible and what type of chilev is asa. Um, the Svaradim have certain types of chilev, more types of chilev that the Svaradim hold are okay, and the Ramah has given us a chumris in, in chilev that he holds chilev is not okay. So the Shailah comes to the as follows. He says, this is the way the city developed. There was a small kahila of Svaradim, and a few Ashkenazim moved in, and then over time a few more moved in, and a few more moved in, until they overran the kehillah of the Svardim, and there was a much bigger kehillah of Ashkenazim. At a certain point they turned around and they said, we want to be kreif for everyone in the city to do the chumras of the Ashkenazim meaning when it comes to chilev. So that's the shadow that comes to Vesayasif. Says the Vesayasif as follows. Vesayasif says there's a din in Tarubis, it's called Kama Kama Batla. If a drip of something falls in and it's not enough to overwhelm what it's falling into, it's batl, Le'isura, and even if later on enough of it falls in, that really there's rave kosher and most treif, it stays treif, because every drop as it fell in, becomes bottled to the treif and it's treif. So it says the Beis Yosef, there's a small kilo of svarim over here. A few Ashkenazim, a handful of Ashkenazim show up, they're bottled to the svarim kihilo. They're mechoyiv to behave like svarim. A few more come, fighti mechoyiv to. Fighti mechoyiv to. It says so that it never would be gemalt, that no matter how many you came, that the Ashkenazim would be kind for the svarim to change the minig. And the minig should be like Svaradim forever. Not just until Ashkenazim comes, Svaradim forever. So say uh, a whole amount of Ashkenazim, Ravadi collects them in a tshuva, that Mamele and Artisrael, the minig in all dinim, for sure in Yerushalayim, should be like Svaradim. Even Ashkenazim should have to behave like Svaradim. So because after 1700, when the Ashkenazim were kicked out of Yerushalayim, so there was a solid kehillah of Svaradim that were living there, so a few Ashkenazim, a handful of Ashkenazim showed up, bottle to the Svaradim. Another handful, bottle to the Svaradim. As they come, there's bottle, bottle, bottle. So it doesn't matter if later on they came in great numbers, they should be bottled to the Svaradim. And that's what some places can say, you don't like it. I don't either. I don't either. One second. Yeah, so, so uh, that's what, what uh, some places can, you know, some earlier places can, and Radi collects it and, and uh, yeah, and, and brings this, this day. Now, we know facts on the ground that no place can agree with this because there's probably two and a half million Ashkenazim who live in Eretz Yisrael, and there is no Pisces who tells them that they should behave like Svarim. So we know without a doubt that this is not the halacha. So, so let's figure out what, you know, we know, we know that that can't be the halacha. I mean, we know that's not the, that's not the, the halacha on the ground. So let's figure out what, the, what changes. So it, would, it seems like this. If you look around at other tshuvas from the Tkufa, it seems that the Vesayasif was talking about a very specific case. There's actually, it's really, really there's a steer in the Vesayasim. The Vesayasim in Akhazirah, in Simul Chavchas, brings a very similar Shailah, and he says a different answer. He brings a Shailah as follows. He brings a Shailah where 
there's an old kehillah in an area that is not a Kaminika Rambam. Later on, a new kehillah moves in together as a kehillah that's bigger than them, who's not knowing like the Rambam, who's not like Ashkenazim, and now they want to force the the the, like the Rambam to come change to them. Says the Vishayisit, no, the the, the kehillah, the original kehillah, the Rambam kehillah doesn't have to change. Why? Because a the Rambam is a great Sephasic, they have a Bisamachan. And B, he says, I can ask me like this guy to do. There's two Kehillas? He says, no. Each one of them is a Bezdin of Neatzma. It's Bez Batidin and Beirachis. So you see, the Bisayasif himself was comfortable with the fact that he could have two Kehillas in one city. He wasn't passing like the Rambam. He acknowledged have two Kehillas in one city. So if you look at the other Chuvas from, from, from that Kufa, you'll see that the Bisayasif Shaila in, in, in Rashid Bez, Rashid Bab, whatever he said it was, was a very interesting, it was a very different Shaila. It was a Shaila of where the Ashkenazim didn't come as a kehillah of Neatzma. It was mamish like Yerushalayim. It was a shayla where there was only one kehillah. And the Ezzetam Shia, the Ashkenazim were too small to ever form their own kehillah. So whoever came joined the kehillah that existed. In that case, says the Beis Yisif, Kama Kama Batla. That's not Beis Batidin and Be'erachas. That would be Beis Dinachas Be'erachas. And now you're trying to split the shul off of the Sfarim of the Ashkenazim trying to be kaifet. That you can't do. That's one thing. Let's just go to do. You're not allowed to change it. But in a case where it's two kehillas, of course not less is good. So now if you look, there's a tshuva from the Maribel Lay, there's a tshuva from the Marashdam, where they say a chiddush. That any time someone comes from a well-known kehillah, Lamashal Svarim, Ashkenazim, Sidin, Yemenites, it's a well-known kehillah with well-known customs, well-known menhagim. What do you say? It's a davar chashim. You, you come as if you come with the whole bezin that you come from. I, you only came with 11 neshamas, and you're not a whole bezin, you're not a whole important thing. You are... Tachas Tashlit of the best that you come from. It's like you're not an unknown. You're not a Tarubis. You're not an unknown object that fell into an unknown mix. And you're a Tarubis, now you bottle. You're not a Tarubis. You come from there. It's a very well-known source. It's a well-understood source. You come from there. And Mela, anyone who comes, even if they come in small numbers, the Maribin Leib read very clearly, even if they come in a trickle, they come five a day, it doesn't matter. They're coming as representatives of a Kehillah. And the minute attack was when the Mugurashi Svar, the people who were leaving Spain, were leaving in the, 50, in, in the late 1400s, as they broke into new kehillahs, they always formed their own kehillah. Even though they came in small groups, and they came, they came, but says the Marashtam, and says the Mirvan Leib, everyone knows who they are. They're coming with halachas, with the Patidin. Everyone knows where they come from, what they stand from. They're not bottled, they're not at the rubis. They don't just fall into the mix. So, so that can't be the reason why the Midigan Eretz Yisrael, circling back to where we started from, is, to wear, is not to wear tillin for everyone. It can't be just Kama Kama Batla and Ashkenazi Mittel, Midig was bottled because of that kufa. So what is the reason? So, there's a very interesting Minchas uh, Lazar in Ois Chaim Vishalom. Minchas Lazar writes that he says, Vaistais, min Shemayim, they wanted that Eretz Yisrael should have a different minig. He doesn't give a reason why this should be. He says, Vaistais, HaKadosh Baruch Hu wanted Eretz Yisrael should have a different minig. And I'll tell you why, he says. Because pay attention to who was immigrating to Eretz Yisrael in the Tukub. He says, Look, in 1700, Rabbi Yehuda Chassid immigrates. He rather says only nice things about him. He doesn't, doesn't mention that he was a Shepsai. In 1700, Rabbi Yehuda Chassid does the immigration. So then he gets kicked out. So, no, so not Rabbi Yehuda Chassid, who was a Mekubal, the Kabbalim didn't wear Tilan and So he was like the Kaminika Kabbalah, he didn't wear Tilan and Then who's left? Svardim. Svardim, like the Beis if the Din, they don't wear Tilan and So then who comes next is Tamidi Agro. The Gain, the Gain also doesn't wear Tilan and The Gain writes, there's no Makar and Babli, Mela, we don't do it. The Gain doesn't need it at all. Who comes next? Tamidi Abashemta. Tachsidim don't need to wear Tilan. Because they invite to try to do the, the Kabbalistic Minagam. He says, and then who comes next? This is the kicker. He says, then who comes next is the Tzayinim. And they don't either wear Tzayinim, ever. So, so, Mimele, Vaisteis, Min Shemayim, HaKadosh Baruch Hu did not want, I kid you not, he says that. He says, Vaisteis, Min Shemayim, Hashem did not want 
that tefillin and chalamayit should be a thing. Now, it's a little bit, I mean, take it or leave it, I guess, you know, it's hard to say that because, because there is no reason why. I mean, the way we understand there should be no reason why it's so should be different. So it's a little interesting to understand that. Now, I, I did see that Reb Mordechai Liao, the former chief rabbi of Eretz Yisrael, he has a whole, he takes the Mechaz laws and expounds in it. He says that the achelik of the ta'alich ha like the, the bringing to the ge'ula is that the minhagim of the zayar shall become more accepted. And Melar Tisrael, which is going to be the place that has the ge'ula, that's where it goes. Rahu wanted it, but again, right there. It's take it or leave it. I, you know, what do you say? Exactly. It's Tzayin Teik. It's right there, Tzayin If that talks to you, fine. If it doesn't, it doesn't. If you look in the Paiskim, like Rabbi Shlomo Zalman, or Shmuel Vosner, or Moshe, they all say that the din is that Minig HaMakim gets the Chaymer of Minig HaMakim, even if it's wrong. Meaning, even if it shouldn't have been that way, even if Ashkenazim really shouldn't have that Minig. Rabbi says, matter of factly, the Minig so became this, because the people who lived there kept this Minig. And there was a well-established kilo. There was an Ashkenazi kilo that kept this minig. There was a Svarti kilo that kept this minig. So when the next groups of people came, they just had to do the minig amakim. That's the din. He says, you're right. It shouldn't be the din. And he says, if a person wants to be machmer in his house to put on tefillin in Eretz Yisrael, call kavod. You should. Because the Ashkenazi minig maker, our din is that you should. But the minig Eretz Yisrael became a kilo. Matter of fact, no, no, valazay that's in Eretz Yisrael. Not because that leads to gula. Not because kamakam battle. The place can just say, very matter of fact, the minig gets a taikif. The minig gets a taikif, even if there's no reason why the minig should have a taikif. So, so uh, the real reason why in Eretz Yisrael, even though there's a great Samachek of putting on Tzilam and is is just simply that. The minig in Eretz Yisrael that developed over time was to do that. And that's the minig today, and everyone moves there, keeps that minig. And as I is, that's it. Next week, I will talk about uh, Nittal. We're almost getting to Nittal. We'll, we'll, uh...